Hi, and welcome to episode 79 of No Crying in Baseball, the all flip, no drill episode. My name's Patty, and I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. Hey, happy Easter. Today's Easter. Thank you very much. You'll, and, you'll see I'm wearing my pink hat because it feels like I'm an Easter egg today. Yeah, you're looking very colorful. Thank you. I do try. Nice addition. I want to take a moment to apologize for any uh, m- misinterpretation of my intent last week when I was talking about the Yankees' injured list, and I mentioned that they were lacking a first baseman. And it was, I think, the next day that Greg Bird got hurt. And I honestly felt bad. I really, I mean, I'm sincere about this. As much as I make fun of the Yankees in a very spirited, good-natured way, as any Red Sox fan would do, I honestly, really, I don't mean them any harm. And so I apologized online, and I figured I'd do it here as well. But I also called one of my favorite Yankees fan friends, Santiago, and apologized to him directly. And he said to me in response, well, you know, it's okay, I understand. And we have Judge, and he's so strong, and he's not going to get injured. Uh oh. Well, I know, I know. Have you? You ever don't felt know so- your own power. We- That's amazing. I, Can I, we turn those powers to good instead of I, injured? I wish. I wish. And I, wow. I did write back to, to San- Santiago that you gave him the curse, right? And he wrote back, "I jinx frowny face." Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's really something. So, so much happened this week, but we have such a cool special guest for you today that we're not going to talk about it. Let me tell you what we're not going to talk about today. This is going to be on you to learn more about. You need to learn more about Chris Davis. Yes, that Chris Davis pitching and striking a guy out. You need to read up on Zach Greinke's hair. You absolutely do. Why does Christian Yelich only homer at home and still lead major leagues in home runs? And Albert Pujols' career RBIs. All cool things. All things we're not talking about anymore after this moment. What we are talking about today is Tim Anderson, bat flips, getting drilled, slurs, and punishments. And do they fit the crime? And then our special guest star, Emily Jansen. We're so excited about this. She is the general manager of the Reno Aces, which is the Diamondbacks Triple A team. She is lovely and fun and wonderful, and we hope you enjoy the interview as much as we enjoyed talking with her. Quick side note on my part, because we're not talking about our boyfriends this week, and that sounds a little weird for those of you who may not have met us before, because we have lots of boyfriends, but what we mean are the guys that we want to hang out with. We pick one on every team, especially during the offseason, go back and check those episodes, And we usually say something about them. So I just want to give you a couple boyfriend points for your pick, Christian Yelich, who is raking. He is raking. And, you know, you'll hear later about how that's not actually doing as much as I would hope on my fantasy boyfriend team. But love him. Hmm. He's fantastic. We are, however, going to spend a lot of time on my last year's White Sox boyfriend, Tim Anderson. Who I thought was a good pick then, and I am sticking by that. I am behind you with your pick of Tim Anderson still. I I am too. He is a heck of a guy. He is the only African-American player on the White Sox. A Chicago team, mind you. A Chicago team. And weirdly, that is not unusual in the major leagues right now. There are very few American-born black players playing in the major leagues. He has the highest... Um, batting average right now in the majors at like 414 as of the time that we're recording. He's amazing. And he's a good community guy. He um, mentors kids in Chicago neighborhoods, his wife and his kids. They do all these things in the community. They're wonderful. So here's what happened to Tim. Last week, while the White Sox were playing the Royals, Tim Anderson hit a monster home run out of the park. Rocket. It was amazing. So he turns to his dugout 
tosses his bat to his dugout, kind of cheers at his players, and takes his lap. Well, the bat flip to the dugout apparently was too much for the Royals. So when he came up to bat a couple innings later, Brad Keller, the pitcher, drilled him with a 92-mile-an-hour fastball in the butt, which led to a fracas, a ruckus, a brawl, a brouhaha. That was a new one I saw in a news report. No kerfuffle still. Still no kerfuffle. They need the kerfuffle. So Keller, the pitcher, was suspended for five games, which he is appealing, which is kind of ridiculous. I mean, a pitcher being suspended for five games means they're going to miss one start. We we saw this with CeCe Sabathia last year. Yes, we did. Who said that he drilled it and still appealed. And still so appealed, right. It happens. Uh, whereas Anderson, Tim Anderson, was suspended for one game for something called conduct after the benches cleared. And if you saw this clip, and you probably saw this clip, he took no swings at anybody. He didn't even like rush the pitcher. He took like two steps there. The catcher held him back and and stuff happened. And stuff happened. So clearly he must have said something. All right. More about that in a second. But first, can we talk about flips and drills? I would love to. I love flips. I do not love drills. I am pro flip. I am pro flip flip too. Mm -hmm. And it's weird because we are not the young people. The young people are the ones who seem more pro flip, but we're pro fun. Yeah. Right? Yes. And and it comes across uh, cultural lines as well. And so that's a lot of what people are commenting today, that it's sort of the old white folks version of baseball where you're not flipping bats. We're respecting the old white folks game when we say respecting the game. Yeah. And what does it really mean? I mean, it's flipping a bat. It's not hurting a person. It's not slur. It's not anything harmful. It's if you look at it in a certain light, you can look at it as being celebratory. You know, other people take offense of it. But I think what you have to go is with intent. Like in anything, like where's the intent behind it? Is it to offend? Is it to celebrate? Maybe it is a little bit of both, but you know, you, you did. I mean, other sports, you you spike the ball, you do a touchdown mm-hmm. dance, you dunk, you trash talk, you have fun with the game. And and a really interesting sort of parallel that I saw is if you're a pitcher, you can fist pump. You sort of like when you strike a guy out, you can do that celebration. And what's the batter going to do? He's not going to come over and whack you with the bat. But if you're a batter and you flip, you get drilled. So there is not exactly a balance there. So I have seen opinions that are complaining about the appropriateness of the kind of home run you hit. Was it a high leverage situation? Was it a walk-off? Did you just win the game? Sure, go ahead. It was just a home run early in the it was just a home run, they said early in the game. So what and so Joe Madden was quoted and other people I've heard said, I would prefer that our guys would act like they're gonna do it again. Like like it's not so unusual. And I get that. You know, you can be too cool for school. I'm like, of course I hit a home run, just go. Or celebrate every time. I mean, we're talking about all this pace of play stuff and making the game more attractive. Well, if it's a constant party, don't you think more people want to be part of that party? I, I would. say celebrate constantly. I would. Absolutely. And the thing about drilling is you can ruin somebody's career. You could break a bone. You could hurt them badly. Even pitchers like mm-hmm. Trevor Bauer, who we have this not necessarily positive relationship on an ongoing basis on, on this show, more me than potty mouth. I'm, I'm more, I'm more pro Bauer. Um, he even said, there's no reason to drill somebody. You don't need to hurt somebody. Just 
strike them out next time. That's how you get back at them is strike them out next time. Yeah, you should. they should really put more pictures out there of what skin looks like after it's been hit. Even the butt. If you're getting a 90 mile an hour projectile. Butt. Oh, well, my <laughs> oh, oh my God. Oh my God. go. Back door. <laughs> As you can say, into that issue. Cheers. But cheers. All right. We are drinking cider for the, uh, for the record because it is Passover. We're celebrating multiple holidays right here while we record No Crying in Baseball. But yeah, back to Tim Anderson's butt. I, I imagine that it's in bad shape and that's not okay. You're, you are hurting someone. If you slip, you could hurt them worse. But even if you're doing what you try to do, that's pain inflicted. So it, it came out later that there was language used by Tim Anderson. He apparently yelled to Brad Keller, the pitcher, you, I believe it was weak-assed effing N-word. Mm-hmm. Okay, so American-born like black guy yelling in the N-word at a white pitcher. And apparently nobody was really offended. Like there weren't other people talking about it except for 66-year-old white umpire Country Joe West. Country Joe West, yeah. Right? He, he noticed, huh? He did not like that. He was offended by it. And ironic – oh, no, coincidentally, I think is the word we're looking for. Last fall, Tim Anderson was publicly quoted saying, oh, everyone knows he's terrible anyway about Joe oh, West. Oh, I remember that. Right? So there is – that level of background between the two of them on top of why is this guy the one who's offended and why does that mean that, you know, he had a ball thrown at him and he's being suspended? I I don't know how that works. Um, there He didn't – Tim Anderson just took the punishment. No appeal. Mm-hmm. He just – he sat out Friday. He was done. He's over. He's like, yeah. okay, it's past. Can we please move on? The downside of that is now Major League Baseball doesn't really have to explain itself. Like, can we talk about Mm. the context in which these words were said and by who they were said? Is there like a a blanket, you know, zero tolerance policy on using the N-word? I don't know. Maybe there is. But you've got an American-born young black man who is using this word in a context that he has said himself, he uses this word regularly. And other American-born black ball players have said the same thing. This is part of our culture. This is how we talk to each other when we're angry, when whatever. So there is a cultural piece of this, which may or may not directly apply to how, how the punishment was meted out, but it can't be dissed. So like if you baseball can't attract Black players, unless they're coming from Latin American countries, right? And so you're watching this game and you're thinking, I love this game. Oh, Tim Anderson's awesome. Wait a minute. He just got thrown out for what? I don't want to play this game. Right. Well, like you're saying, I mean, that it didn't come to light because he didn't do anything about it. But then again, whose responsibility is that? I mean, I would think that MLB should have been the one out there making a more cohesive statement about how this was applied, how it's been applied before. What is the overall rule? Who gets to make these decisions? The part where I feel uncomfortable is I understand people who are saying, you know, I'm bringing my kids to the ballpark. We don't want to hear that language. But me, as an old white woman, it's not my it's not my call. I'm not going to make that call because right. I'm not qualified. Right. So right. I can't – I'm not judging. If you're keeping score – if it were an anti-gay slur, it would be, based on past things, it would be a two-game suspension. Huh. If you're um, Yuli Guriel and you made a slant-eyed gesture towards you, Darvish, 
you would get a five-game suspension. Apparently, if you're an American-born black male and you call a white guy the N-word, it's a one-game suspension. So just, you know, there, there's your perspective. Right. But is there a planned chart out there? Right? Is this just like where's, the shit that fell down? Where's like, the this spreadsheet? Is what happened. Where is the spreadsheet? So that's where we are. Um, everyone has an opinion. Please feel free to share yours. I think this is fascinating. I would love to talk about this more, and we probably will because it'll probably – some version of this is going to happen again. And we're going to come back to it. You are right. Oi. We have a special guest on No Crying in Baseball tonight. I'd like to welcome Emily Jansen, who is the general manager of the Reno Aces, the AAA affiliate of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Welcome to No Crying in Baseball, Emily. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us. So My we've been- pleasure. Thanks for asking me. We've been doing, you know, a little bit of, of research, whatever the internet will tell us about you, but we want to hear from you specifically. Uh, from what I was reading, your career path looks like it kind of goes back and forth between sports and nonprofit work. So I'd like to know a little bit about your career path. It is, sure. Um, I um, I definitely have a nonlinear uh, path to, to this seat as GM of the Reno Aces. So I was lucky enough to start my career as um, a intern with the Chicago Bulls. Um, I'm from Illinois and uh, cheered for Michael Jordan throughout my childhood. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of a dream for me to land land a seat uh, with the Bulls for a nine-month internship. That's amazing and, for uh, people from a certain yeah, era. Yeah, and in that internship, I, I sold season and group tickets uh, along with 14 other new college grads from all over the country. We were competing for two seats uh, at the end of the internship, two full-time seats. And um, I finished first in group sales, but I did not get the job. Um, huh. And that failure um, for somebody who's very competitive like myself um, taught me a lot of lessons. And honestly, it was one of the best things that ever happened to me because I got my chance to work um, in a major nonprofit in Chicago and really broaden my horizons to learn more about partnerships um, event planning, major event planning. I was able to form partnerships with the professional sports organizations in the city for that not-for-profit. Um, had I gotten the job with the Bulls, I would have been in season ticket sales, um, which would have been incredible because uh, season ticket holders are the lifeblood of any organization. But I don't think I would have had um, the the scope or the breadth or the vision that I had for um, for how an organization um, can work to to solidify sales and partnerships and events. And so that's been a, a really worthwhile um, experience for my career. And um, I, I tell people all the time, I advise them all the time, it's okay to, to be nonlinear because I think that um, it gives you just more experiences um, and more worldview to, to add to the table. I, I can totally re relate to that because I think very nonlinear and speak very nonlinear. I think on a re regular basis on this podcast. One of the stories that we read where you got a mention was about um, two elderly baseball fans from Chicago who were trying to um, get to 100 minor league ballparks. And you were quoted in it because you wanted to be one of their host. And I loved what you said was that my job is to delight, entertain and provide lifetime memories for baseball fans, which is not what I picture, say, a major league GM saying their job is. So I thought that was really very cool. So what does that look like on a daily basis? Like, you know, what do you do all day long to make that happen? Sure. Um, so in my role, I am responsible for um, team operations 
um, with the uh, the clubhouse, of course, with the Reno Aces and our affiliation with the Arizona Diamondbacks, minor league baseball, and the Pacific Coast League. Um, but I'm really, um, really uh, in, in a business development, um, running the business type of role. So I'm an executive team member for our businesses. I oversee our annual marketing plan. I oversee the budget in our um, biggest little team shop. Um, I'm a member of the sponsorship team. I oversee community relations. I'm responsible for um, brand awareness and relevance of the ACEs in our community um, and really, really the mouthpiece for our organization. So um, while I, um, the DBACs are great partners of ours, um, it's, it's a really a main focus of mine to ensure that we provide um, a phenomenal venue and opportunity for our AAA roster to get their shot in the major leagues. I do not spend my day um, evaluating baseball talent. That sounds like about 110 jobs. Yeah, I, was, I lost count of the hats. You must have a lot of hats going on. I do. Yes, my days are very full. But um, as the GM, I'm really, um, you know, I work really closely with the president of um, of our company who he oversees ACEs 1868 and, and the ballpark and then some of our owner um, ownership um, endeavors within the community. But um, but my job is running the business of baseball. And so that includes a, a lot of things and, and a big staff and um, not only the product on the field or the ballpark, but um, but the fan experience and making sure that if you are spending, um, you know, your extra your leftover money each week on taking in a ball game that you have a great time. That's totally what I would want to hear. So out of all that, sort of on a daily basis, or maybe even over the season, what's the fa- your favorite part? What's the best part of your job? Um, you know what? My, I, I love the other duties as assigned. So <laughs> <laughs> The catch-all category. I'm a big fan of the catch-all category. Yes, yes. So even outside of all of the really fun stuff that I get to do each day, um, for me, my major was advertising, so working with um, with my marketing manager and my media buyer on our um, campaign this season, um, that was so much fun for me. That was a, a dream come true. Um, I love working with the team. Uh, we've got a new manager, Chris Crone, who has um, just been excellent to work with um, and, and providing that opportunity for the players. Um, I love putting on a great experience for our fans. Um, but I love pulling tarp. I love, <laughs> that's uh, so cool. That's a great I answer. I love, um, you know, uncovering some lost giveaways from some back corner of the stadium, you know, getting covered in dirt and a spider falling on my head, like <laughs> that extra things, getting, getting to know the stadium, um, you know, the, the ins and outs and, um, and helping with, with all the other things. I'm not afraid to, climb a ladder or, you know, clean the, we have a, a team, um, a wife, wives and, and children area at the ballpark, um, where the, the, um, women are, um, can go with the kids and hang out during the game. And, um, last year when I arrived, that place was storage and that's not huh. acceptable. And so the first thing I did was kick off my heels and call three people from the front office and say, get down here and move these boxes for me. Fantastic. Me. So I, I love that part. I love to get my hands dirty and, um, and contribute in that way as well. 
I want to follow up on the tarp question. You guys are kind of in the desert, aren't you? How often do you get to pull the tarp? We do. Well, uh, we pulled the tarp on opening day. No. Um, Yeah. So we, thankfully not during the game, it was, um, it was at noon, but we are, we're high desert. Um, we're only a few miles from the border of California on the North side and, um, in the foothills of the Sierra Nevada's mountain range. So we get snow, we get rain, we get hail. Um, the, the summers are fairly dry here. Um, but we, we get our fair share of storms. Um, thankfully not too much, um, you know, not, not like our friends in Tacoma. Um, but we, we definitely get some rain. And, um, when I hear tarp pull coming, I've got tarp shoes under my, under my <laughs> That's desk <great>. and <laughs> I'll throw the tarp them on shoes. Um, I love contributing in that way. So one of our favorite things about minor league ball are they seem to have the best promotions way better than major league ball. So if potty mouth and I were to say plan a field trip out your way, what is the one promotion upcoming or maybe in pa- that we missed that you say, Oh, you have to be here for this because it's the best thing we do. Um, gosh, we did, we, like you mentioned, we've got a lot. Um, so every Friday night, all summer long, um, we have fireworks, which is pretty traditional, but the, the fireworks shows we do here are fantastic. And, um, I watch them every Friday night with a huge smile on my face. So I, I love that. Um, but one of the most creative and fun things we do is super Saturdays. So each Saturday during the season, beginning in May, we have a different, uh, theme night and, um, some of them are, are local partnerships or celebrations this year, the Reno rodeo celebrates its 100th year, which is incredible. Um, to have that anniversary. So we're doing a, a kickoff party and rodeo, um, event here for them at the ballpark. So you'll see, um, steer out front, and, um, some mutton busting. You'll see a chuck wagon. <laughs> the guys are wearing a rodeo themed Jersey that will auction off the players back. And, um, those fundraise, ben- those funds that are raised that night benefit the community. Um, we've got an upstairs entertainment district at our ballpark, so we have um, a, a country band playing, um, food specials, and that's incredible. And that's what we do every Saturday home date all season long. This sounds like a blast. And we totally have to look up some some discount airline tickets because it feels like we're cow chasing. Because just a couple of weeks ago, we were talking with Betsy Hobb, the Pulaski Yankees, and they have an agricultural night. And we were talking about farm animals. And here we go to a rodeo. I feel like we've got something going. There's a theme that we don't see in the major leagues, that's for sure. One of the super fun things that we've uh, been following with the minor leagues this year is the Copa de Diversión, the the Latin American Nights, or the nights where you have an alter ego, right? And you guys are part of this. Could you tell us a little bit about the alter ego team and how you guys participate in the the Fun Cup, the Copa de Diversión? Sure. Um, so the Reno Aces will play as Los Corazones de Reno. So the oh, hearts that's beautiful. of Reno. And the, the logo um, is inspired by uh, a milagro, which is a, a good luck charm. And it's um, a heart uh, with a baseball and, and fire. And um, I'm hoping that the logo brings Buenos Suerte. Um, it, also, <laughs> Fantastic. it also symbolizes love for um the game of baseball, love for our community, love for family, and love for food because inside the heart are two chili peppers. <laughs> and 
the colors are um, red and a neon green, um, yellow, and it's essentially the antithesis of our, our navy and red, very traditional. Um, and it's bright and it's cool and it's meant to be inclusive um, for all. And, um, and something that we were taking very seriously, um, it's an honor to be able to participate in this program. Um, I can't wait to welcome um, or make a new demographic just feel welcome um, at our ballpark because Greater Nevada Field, where the Reno Aces or Los Corsones play, um, this is a ballpark for our community. And um, I'm just so excited to have um, a way to specifically outreach to a segment that um, that I'm not sure we've we've fully extended the the handshake or the invitation. So I have two follow up questions to that. One is how often are the Corazones going to be playing? And two is can we get a T-shirt on your website because that logo sounds amazing? <laughs> yes, absolutely. We've got new era caps. Um, we've got really cool T-shirts. Um, 108 Stitches is an awesome brand, um, super soft tees. So I would recommend that one, um, for sure. And then we are playing four dates. So we open on May 11th, uh, Saturday, May 11th. That's our first theme night. We're giving away 1000 replica jerseys at the gates for Los Corazones. Um, we'll have a mariachi band. We'll have, um, two, four, $5 street tacos, margaritas, uh, micheladas. Uh, it's going to be just such a fun night. And then we'll play, uh, three more times, uh, one night in June, one night in July, and one night in August. And then, um, while we won't play, um, on Sundays, um, we certainly want to make sure that we are, um, extending an, an additional invitation to, to family Sundays, uh, when we'll play as the Reno Aces, um, but family Sundays are just such an awesome day at the ballpark. We've got a fantastic dollar menu. Um, so it's, um, I, th- I see the Corazones nights really having an extension into our Sundays all season long. One more quick question. Is the mariachi band at all of those appearances or just the May 11th? <laughs> because our, my wheels are spinning right now. This sounds like a blast. Yeah. Um, yeah, all of them. We've got dance groups. We've got mariachi. We've got um, some other types of Latin music. Um, it's really been fun diving into this project and discovering the diversity um, within the Latin community in, in Reno. That's Fantastic. We're going to call Southwest as soon as yeah. we're done talking to you to see what we can do for flights. <laughs> so sounds great. You know, you're, you're spending, you spend a lot of time building this relationship between the team and the community, but I, I'm kind of new to paying attention to the minor leagues. And I know that affiliations change. I know you guys have been stable with the D-backs for a long time, but you know, we're, we're Nats fans over here. You know, we used to be you know, up here in Syracuse, and now we're all the way at your end of the world with Fresno, who I know you guys play. What is, do you know, what, what changes when the affiliation changes? I mean, does, do like, would you and your staff still be stable and just the players are different or is there a whole different vibe? What, tell me what you know about that. Cause it's, it's fascinating to me. Yeah, sure. Um, so we are our own business, essentially running, um, that's the, um, the facility and putting on 70 baseball events a year. Mm -hmm. So the affiliation has, um, no effect on our staffing. Um, Mm -hmm. we don't have any, none of us are D backs employees. We're all employees of the Reno aces. 
Um, but is, um, as a, a team in AAA and part of minor league baseball, we are guaranteed an affiliate. And sometimes, um, for one reason or another, a major league baseball team would like to change up its affiliation structure. And we've been fortunate that we've had a really great relationship with the Arizona Diamondbacks for, um, the entire time we've been in Reno. Last year, we signed another PBA, which is the professional baseball agreement. Um, you could either extend for two years or four, um, but because the PBA expires at the end of 2020, the max extension available for us was two years. So we, we went ahead and signed that. Um, we've just had such a good working relationship with them. Um, Reno to Phoenix um, is very easy in terms of travel. So I think that's helpful uh, for, for the team. Um, and, uh, they like our facility. Um, the facilities are, are something that, that teams really evaluate heavily when they look into affiliation. And, um, this is our 11th season. So we have a relatively new ballpark. Um, we've got a phenomenal playing service or surface and our groundskeeper is just top notch. So, um, that's something to never have to, to worry about. Um, we've got great clubhouse facilities, so it's really a win-win situation for, for both of us. Um, so I can't really speak to why, um, people change. I know, um, this year there was a major shakeup in the PCL, um, Las Vegas, uh, the AAA team in Las Vegas, um, renamed and, um, built a brand new, beautiful facility. And there were a lot of teams who, um, wanted to get in on that. Cause as I mentioned, the facility is something that's really important sure. um, to our major league affiliates and, um, everyone kind of wanted a piece of the new ballpark. So I have a question that I, because you guys are AAA, your players are the ones that are going to go back and forth the most with the major league team. Is there a bat phone in your office that rings? <laughs> or, I mean, like, how does that, like, who gets that call? How does that happen? Yeah, so there's um, a whole player development staff on the Diamondback side. Um, so I, for me, I have um, a communications manager and a travel agent um, who works on behalf of us to help get these um, the names changed. Because as if you look at our schedule, we play 140 games, and we the guys have one day one off day a month. So when they decide to make a change last year, we had 200 transactions. So you're changing records on, um, airline flights, you're redirecting players from one location to another. Um, it is, it's quite the scramble. Um, last year we had an awesome story. Um, Joey Crable is a pitcher of ours. He's on our roster again this year. Um, but last season he got his first call up. And, um, we were actually playing in Tacoma. So he was in Tacoma. Um, I think they were the second day into their trip and they didn't play to the even until the evening. So as most player baseball players do, they were out golfing and <laughs> he, he was on the, I want to say the seventh hole. So he wasn't that close to the clubhouse when his phone rang. Um, and it was his first call up and he, got the call screamed. I heard the cart behind him, you know, heard him yell. And then everyone was like scrambling to figure out what happened. Anyway, he takes off running to the clubhouse at the golf course. 
No turbocharged um, golf tips, cart to get him in. <laughs> yeah, tips the um, tips the cart guy to drive him to the ballpark to pick <laughs> up his bags, and then to the airport, which in Tacoma is in that's in Seattle. So that this was like you know probably a two hour round trip for this guy, and um, not you know, in the golf cart. Had booked his flight. He gets on the plane and then our travel agent is um, redirecting his travel for two days down the road, substituting his name on, on our reservations with whoever is the new person who's coming up. It's, it's quite the, it's quite the shuffle and it happens every single day I get a transaction report. That is wild because we, you know, on the fan end just hear so-and-so is called up and have no clue and about all appear. that. Yeah, right. it's magic, right? All of a sudden they're in, they're in your ballpark. Spe- speaking of guys getting called up, who should we keep our eye on right now on your, on your roster? I know that, you know, my personal knowledge is of Yasmani Tomas, who's been up and down a little bit, and I know that he's there to work on defense. Do you think he'll be coming up soon? Any other calls? Yeah, I hope so. Um, Tomas is, um, he's on a big contract. Um, he's a great player and I, I hope that, um, that he has a successful season. Cause when he's on, he's, mm-hmm. he's on his offense. Um, is so great. I hope he can find that spark, um, here with the aces and, and get another opportunity. The story that I'm watching the most closely, um, is our manager who I mentioned is, um, Chris Crone. His son is Kevin Crone, and his son, Kevin Crone, plays first or third base for the Reno Aces. Huh. That's fabulous. And um, his brother, CJ, is playing for the Twins this year. Um, Chris, our manager, was um, he's been in baseball for 35 years. He played a short time in Major League Baseball, um, had a nice long career in Minor League Baseball. So anyway, they're a, they're a baseball family. Kevin has never gotten a call-up. He's on the 40-man. And there's a very good chance his dad could deliver the news. Oh, that's fantastic. Get all the cameras ready. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And he's a phenomenal player. He just hasn't gotten his break. He blasted a ball. Um, this last homestand, two of his home runs were um, over our billboards <sighs> in the outfield. They were, I mean, he's a powerhouse. And he's worked really hard this offseason um, he was with us the full season last year, and um, the play that I saw out of him, our, our first homestand, was incredible. So, Kevin Crone, keep your eye on him. We'll we'll see what he can do. We'll do. Got it. So we got interested in seeking out you and other women executives in baseball when we learned about the lift program that the minor leagues instituted, the mentorship program, and we see that you're on the mentor side of that, of this list. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what kind of lessons you are imparting to your mentee from your years in baseball? Yeah, sure. Um, so that is, um, it's a tremendous program. Um, and the thing that I like about it is, um, the matchup across leagues. So my mentee is, um, actually in, uh, double a, um, with the Midland Rockhounds. And, um, her and I, uh, the, the lift program sent us sort of a broad strokes, um, annual planner, like here's some things you can discuss. And so what she and I did is we had a call in December and went through the year and we set up a phone call, um, for once a month 
And we set the topic based on our projection of what would be top of mind each month. And um, so she'll, you know, we'll call each other, we'll talk through that topic. And then at the end of the call, we have a couple of random questions that we'll ask each other, like just for fun, because we've never met in person yet, um, hoping to do so later this year. Um, But what I hope is that um, she knows that she has a a friend, an ally and a mentor um, that she can go to if she has any questions, anything, um, if she's feeling frustrated and doesn't want to look within her organization, I hope that she calls me or texts me. And what I hope to gain is um, I'm in my thirties. She's in her twenties. And um, what we're finding in business is there's a whole lot more than 10 years between these two generations um, because people who are in their twenties today grew up with a lot, uh, a lot differently than we did um, in terms of access to technology and um, expectations. And so um, what I'm really uh, gaining from, from her is a, a different look inside on um, what a 20-something is um, going for. Like, what are her goals? How does she work? Um, how does she best communicate? What's the style like? And it's been interesting for me because it's outside of my organization and in my direct reports. Um, but overall she, I mean, Rachel is just a phenomenal person and, um, I can't wait to see where her career goes. And I'm so happy that I get to have a personal stake, um, or personal insight into, into all the great work that she is doing and will do. And, and what's her position in her organization? So she's a manager of community relations okay. um, in in AA with the Midland Rockhounds. And do, do you feel like this program is going to increase the amount of women who end up being in a general manager position? One thing that we haven't said yet is that you're the only female GM at the AAA level, and we believe that there are six others scattered around, but we're not exactly sure on that number, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I hope so. I had an opportunity to speak at um, with on a panel um, with uh, with some other women um, at the Women in Baseball event at Baseball Winter Meetings, and I work in an office that has a number of women and a number of women in executive positions. And um, so, on a day to day basis, I'm just showing up at work, working my hardest and doing my best to get results for, for our team, for ownership, um, for my team that, that my, um, direct reports can advance and do just a great job. Um, but that event, um, the women in baseball event was incredibly eye-opening for me, um, and really humbling. Um, you know, I say that I have three goals and the first is number one to kick butt at my job. Cause if I don't, then all of this is for nothing. Um, Two is to support my staff um, in their development so that they can do the best work possible. And then three, um, which has really been reiterated by the LIFT program and women in baseball with minor league baseball, is to help um, women on a national level um, promote and elevate within their teams. And I realized the importance of that message at baseball winter meetings when I kind of felt a little bit like... um, like the great white Buffalo or something uh-huh. like, I, I mean, yeah. I, it was the first time on this big, larger scale of baseball, um, to see that I was, you know, one of the only girls in the room. And, 
Um, there's so many great positions in front offices and um, all of them are necessary and deserve hard work. But I definitely hope that um, I can shine the light and, and help others um, get to get to the role of general manager. That's fantastic. Because as we were saying, you know, it's so fantastic that you're there, but wow, there's there's so much further that the industry should be going. So it's like the door is cracking open and we're waiting for the the floodgates to open at this point. I hope I hope so. Yeah, I wonder if the expectations are different um, to the to the women who are just coming up now. I mean, I have we both have daughters who are seniors in high school, and I talked to my eighteen year old said, "Hey, this is what I'm doing tonight. You know, I'm I'm interviewing this woman who's you know the GM of the Reno Aces. It isn't that cool." And she said, "It's cool and it's great, but aren't you kind of tired about saying things like the only or the first? Mm-hmm. And you know, she's eighteen. Like the world is like you know, it's di- it's a little different for her, but it's not completely different. I'm like, yeah, I, I totally get that. I want to be able to say we are interviewing this really kick ass general manager, Period. as opposed to right. like single singling things out by gender anymore. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Um, I mean, I didn't get the job because I'm a girl, and we want <laughs> that's a right. statement. I got the job because of what I can do. Uh, but on the the flip side, I realize that it's important to attach that title to um, call it out first of all, and and second of all, to um, just let women know that this is something that they can do too. Put in the hard work, and and um, it's not it's not a boys' club um, specifically or exclusively. Um, I get the opportunity to. Um, liaise with some really awesome colleagues in the Pacific Coast League. And um, it doesn't matter that I'm a girl. We're just all out trying to do a great job for our club and our community. It's like what we say with girls baseball. The more girls who play, the more other girls are going to say, wait, that's something I can do and jump in on it. Well, 100%. Thank you so much. We've definitely taken more time than we asked for, but have learned a lot. And we're definitely going to be searching these airline ticket fares because <laughs> it sounds like a blast. Anybody who's even close should be coming to visit the Reno Aces. Thanks again for your time. And we hope to stay in touch and, uh, and either plan a field trip or hear more about what you're doing this season. Thanks so much, Emily. Yeah, my, my pleasure. I hope to as well. I'd love to host you at a game. Fantastic. All right. All right. Have a good night. All right. Thank you, ladies. Thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. We just want to thank Emily Jansen yet again for spending time with us. And uh, we look forward to hearing more about what's going on in Reno. And possibly going there. Oh, my gosh. That would be so cool. (laughs) So this week coming up, we don't have any ball games for a little while, but then the Padres come to town. Oh, oh, we get to see Machado. We get to see Machado and Tadis Jr. Hello. Oh, right. Where are my priorities? Tadis Jr. is my boyfriend, and he's one of the young ones who's doing well, as opposed to Guriel, who's taken some yip time back down. Taken some yip time. Taken some yip time. (laughs) I I totally feel that. (laughs) And there's my excuse for why I am sucking in our Fantasy Boyfriend Baseball League, Fantasy Baseball Boyfriend League, whichever it is. I'm at rock bottom. Here are my excuses. I have one boyfriend with the yips, and I don't understand what the 10-day DL means. First of all, DL doesn't isn't supposed to exist anymore, and Yahoo keeps saying that I have guys on the 10-day DL, and then I go back the next week to see if I should drop them, and I think, ah, they've been in the 10-day DL since last week. I only have a few more days, but then it happens again, so I don't get it. I just don't get it. Anyway, I'm rock bottom. 
But uh, <laughs> but we do have a, a couple tied at the first, we right? We do. Some guy that I live with is tied for first place with El Wombo, and you are smack in the middle, but in the high middle, so that you're in the competition toward first as opposed to the competition toward where I'm at. That's where I like it. I'm going to lay low for a little while, and then I'm going to swoop. Although I had to swap out Anthony Rendon because he's day-to-day. I don't know. By the time this drops, maybe we'll know more. Didn't like that at all. Um, Gene Segura also on the DL. Oh, so I had, IL. I had yeah. on the IL. Well, on Yahoo, Yahoo's deal. we're going to have to write a letter to Yahoo. I think so. While, dear Yahoo. I, while I'm writing that letter, that Dear Yahoo letter, we hope that you are listening to the show, telling your friends about the show, subscribing to No Crying in Baseball. And if you have time to write a review, we sure would appreciate it. Until next week, say goodnight, Potty Mouth. Good night, Potty Mouth. Good night, Potty Mouth. 